Now, we always like to pray together before we begin our Torah study. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Well, I want to talk about how to have light in troubled times. How, how many of you recognize that these times are troubled? That, that there's difficulty going on? Even the news from Great Britain about uh, leaving the European Union, it, it rattled the financial markets, it's rattled the whole European Union, and, and, and many, uh, many are wondering what will happen in Europe. But that's just one thing that's happening in the, in the world. There's a kind of instability and there's this sense that, that things are not quite right and people want change. They're not sure what kind of change and who knows whether change will be for the better or not. But the question really that, that we need to ask ourselves is this, when we're in unstable times, when we're in troubled times, how do we have the right attitude and the right perspective so that God can use us. And I believe that the Torah portion this week and the Haftorah portion help us understand how to have a right perspective. Now there's a wonderful Hebrew word that means forward or charge. What is it? Kadima, that's right. Forward. And you know it's important to always be aiming forward. In the Torah portion this week in Numbers it says that uh, there were lights that were supposed to be set up in the sanctuary together with the menorahs and the lights should be set so that the light shines forward. Say this with me, shine forward. You see when you came into the sanctuary you'd see the light was shining forward. The scripture says that the word of God is a light. It's a light for us, for our feet, and it's a lamp as well for our path. It helps us know how to go. It helps us know how to, how to proceed. And when, as we read in Torah, the Lord wanted to move, he had his presence over the, um, over the tabern tabernacle by day as a cloud, and by night, what? As fire, as a column of fire. And when the Lord wanted Israel to move through the wilderness in the direction of the promised land, the, the cloud of the Lord would move. And the scripture in this week's portion teaches us that whether people had been in the same place for a short time or a long time, when the cloud moved, it was time to move. You see, the cloud was over the tabernacle, which was in the center of uh, the tribes of Israel in, in their encampment. But as the cloud lifted and then moved, it moved out in front, and so the people were supposed to follow where God was going. And it didn't have to do with how comfortable it was. Because sometimes uh, the children of Israel stayed in a place for a relatively long time, and they could have gotten used to that place, but the Lord says even if it was for, for months or years, when the cloud of the Lord moves, what do you do? You move with, with the Lord. 
But it also says that even if you were there for just a couple of days when the cloud of the Lord moves, what do you do? You move. So have you ever been in a place where you got comfortable, you loved it? You loved that place and you just wanted it to continue? But then you had a sense, oh, I need to move. Well, you want to move forward. That's what's very important. And there are other times when you may be tired and you're ready just for a break. And it seems like the Lord is saying, get up and keep moving. Have you ever argued with the Lord about that? We just got here, Lord. We just settled down. I've been going, 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 and now you're saying move? It's only been two days of rest. And the Lord says, when I move, you move. And in this way, the Lord is teaching us something that, that we need his guidance to know when to move, to how to move. And I'm not just talking about physical moving. I'm talking about how to move forward in life. Because it's not always about a physical move. There are clear prophetic words to the children of Israel in Jeremiah that, that when you're carried off to a land of exile, seek the good of the city that I've caused you to dwell in. In other words, get established, build houses, have children, raise up families, marry your, your children off, uh, see them raise their, their children, your grandchildren, and do good for the city that God has brought you to because in its peace, you will have peace. In its prosperity, you'll have prosperity. So we're not just supposed to wander around. We're supposed to be planted in the places that God has for us. But when we're in troubled times, there is a temptation. The, uh, David Stern's translation of, of one phrase is very interesting in this week's Torah passage. It says they were greedy for an easy life. Greedy for an easy life. It, it's like this desire for things to be easy. Don't we all have that? But we have to be careful to manage it so that we're not greedy, wanting a kind of ease that God has, does not have in mind for us. So one of the great temptations when, when we're experiencing trouble or there's instability or difficulty all around us, one of the great temptations is to want to go backwards rather than forward. And you can, you can imagine that the children of Israel were tempted by this. They wanted to go back to Egypt. But think about it. Can you imagine people saying, let's go back to the land of slavery? It was so good. Of course, they remember what? The garlic, the leeks, the melons. I can tell you the Florida melons are not so good. Uh, French melons. <laughs> but the melons of Egypt were enough to cause the children of Israel to fantasize. Oh, what's for breakfast? Manna. <laughs> what about melons? What about garlic? You know, what about leeks? What about matzo balls? It, it later. That's for later. The temptation is to, to idealize the past. 
and then to forget all the troubles that you had back then that caused you to call out to God, to cry out to Him and say, get me out of here. But the children of Israel were tempted. They were tempted to be angry during times of trouble. And so this is a vulnerability that we have as well. Maybe you don't want to go back to Egypt. Maybe, though, you want to go back to some prior condition or place where you can't remember the difficulties you had. Or it seemed easier, it seemed better, the the kinds of challenges that you faced were more pleasant to you. But the Lord wants us to see his light shining in what direction? Forward. And he's called us to go in what direction? Forward. And that's why kadima is such an important word for us. We need to have a forward attitude. So one thing that's really important is that we have to watch over our own hearts and our own minds to make sure that we are seeing God's perspective so that we can move forward with him. And as you read the Torah portion, the Haftorah portion, the Britachara Shah, you'll, you'll, you'll gain something. But there's another way that God helps us during troubled times. He shows us what he wants to do, what his great plan is, and how we can fit into his plan. And there are, in the Torah portion and in the Haftorah portion, there are some prophetic words that have application to us today and in the future. And I want to point them out because they're, they're, they're controversial. They were controversial then, and they're controversial now. You can turn to the first one, which is in Numbers chapter 10, starting in verse 29. And it says this, Moses said to his father-in-law, who was a Midianite, the son of Raul, Hobab, was his name or his title, He said this, we're setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I'll give it to you. Moses had been with his father-in-law for about 40 years. He'd he'd married uh, his daughter. They had children together. In fact, God used Moses' father-in-law to give him opportunity and experience to learn to be a shepherd in the desert. And it was through that experience that Moses actually was prepared to be a shepherd for Israel and to go back to Egypt and to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt under the guidance of the Lord. And Moses' father-in-law was also used to give wisdom and instruction to Moses so that he could better understand how to give leadership. So now they're together and, and Moses is saying, we're, we're getting ready to move again, and we're setting out for the place that the Lord said, I'll give it to you. This is the land that has been promised to the children of Israel. And Moses makes an offer to his father-in-law, come with us. Say that to, with me. Come with us. Now, what's important here is Moses is leading the children of Israel to the promised land. But he's saying this to his father-in-law, who's not part of Israel. Do you understand that? He is not, um, he is not Jewish. He's not from, uh, from this greater people group. 
But Moses is saying to his father-in-law, you come with us and we'll treat you well. Because the Lord has promised good things to Israel. Isn't that interesting? Come with us. So Moses understands something. The calling of Israel is a forward calling. He understands that Israel is called to be a nation, a holy nation before God that reveals the light of the Lord to the whole world. He understands that Israel walks in the promises that God has given to Abraham, to Sarah, to to Isaac, to Jacob, to, to the children of Israel. Moses understands this. And he understands that God is going to do good to the children of Israel. But he also understands that his father-in-law can have a part in that. I don't think it's only because Moses has a mixed marriage that he's thinking this way. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mixed marriage? Moses didn't marry a Jewish girl? You, You knew that, right? Moses saw something. The call of Abraham was this, I'll make you the father of many nations, which includes Goyim. You'll be the father of Goyim. Abraham. Holy smokes. Come with us and we'll treat you well. That's the promise. We'll treat you well. Okay, so to all the Jewish people, Remember the Moses attitude to those who are joined to Israel from other nations. Treat them well. Because the Lord has promised good things to Israel. So Moses is saying to his father-in-law, come with us. And all the good things that God wants to do for us, he'll do for you. And we'll do well by you too. But this is what his father-in-law said. No, I don't want to go. I want to go back to my land and to my relatives. So we see something here. God's plan is to raise up the Jewish people, but not to limit his work to the Jewish people, because he has a plan for the whole world. He has a plan to raise up the Jewish people in such a way that we can be a light to all the nations. I want you to understand that. We're not just called to be for ourselves. We're called to be uh, serving God's purposes for the whole world. Moses' father-in-law receives an offer, but he doesn't accept it. He doesn't have the same attitude that Ruth later expresses, your God will be my God. You see, Ruth is turning away from her culture, her tradition, her people, what's familiar. And she's saying, I'll be joined to the people Israel, to the Jewish people. I will go to the land that has been promised to them. Their God, the God of Israel will be my God. And the people Israel will become my people. And so in a sense, Moses is offering to his father-in-law what was offered to Ruth, or that Ruth initiated. But Moses' father-in-law doesn't take up the offer. This is not uncommon 
for people who are called to be part of the Messianic movement, not just part of the Messianic movement, part of what God is doing with the Jewish people. There's a price to pay for this. There's a leaving. Anyone who wants to participate in the blessings of Abraham will find themselves experiencing some of the same kinds of experiences that Abraham experienced. You will have to leave. You will have to leave what's familiar. You'll have to leave uh, what you know. You will have to leave some things that have to do with your background, your family, your people, your land. And you'll have to go forward where God directs you. There's no way around that. If you don't want that, find another patriarch other than Abraham and his folks. Uh, because everyone who joins themselves to Abraham will have this kind of experience. But Moses' father-in-law doesn't accept it. He says, no, I would rather stay here. I would rather be with my people. I'd rather be in familiar territory. I'd rather be with what I already know. And Moses doesn't stop, verse 31 Moses says to him, please don't leave us because you know how we're to camp in the wilderness and you can be our eyes. You see, Moses is saying, please don't go. We need you. Do you understand that Moses has hundreds of thousands of Jewish people with him? And he's saying to one non-Jew, we need you. We can't do this by ourselves. This is prophetic. Verse 32. Moses continues. And and it will be, if you go with us, indeed it will be this, that whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same we will do to you. Every blessing that we receive, we'll share it with you. Every good thing that comes our way, we'll give it to you too. Anything we learn, anything that becomes ours, we'll freely share with you. And they departed. They departed. And Moses' father-in-law went back to his people. Didn't take him up on this offer. And Israel had to go it alone. Who knows how things could have been different if the experience and wisdom of Moses' father-in-law had been available to help them through these next 40 years. Who knows? We don't. All we know is that the Lord put it in Moses' heart to get the help from his father-in-law. Do you see that? Now, in this, there are, there are two controversial ideas. One idea is this. God has a plan to bless the children of Israel. Moses understood that. And the other controversy is this. God wants to use Gentiles, non-Jews, to help accomplish the calling of the children of Israel. Both parts are controversial. They're controversial then, and they're controversial today. You know, there are Jewish people who have uh, fear and rejection 
because they know what's happened to us. We know how we've been treated by the nations in the course of history. And there are Jewish people who think the very best thing we can do is withdraw from the rest of the world and do everything we can so that the Gentiles don't hurt us anymore. And there are Jews as well who go into hiding, thinking, oh, this is the very best thing I can do, is hide my Jewishness because of the way the nations treat us. So what's really controversial is that God wants to use the Jewish people still today for his purposes, and he wants to include Gentiles with the Jewish people. It's still a controversy today. There are Jewish people who grow up knowing we're the chosen people. We just don't know what we're chosen for. And it can be difficult. It's, it, you know, being Jewish is not just about uh, latkes and corned beef. I call that culinary Judaism. <laughs> and it's not just about kippot and tzitzit. I call that costume jewelry. <laughs> no, what, what being Jewish is really about is continuing as a people to shine light on the world, to allow God's light to have a profound impact on us so that his light changes us so that we can be a nation that shines light. And in this way, the whole world can be blessed. Excuse me. Now let's go to the Haftorah portion, Zechariah chapter 2. The Hebrew numbers for the verses are different than the English numbers. We're looking in the English at Zechariah chapter 2 verse 10. The Hebrew will be verse 14. And it says this, Sing, daughter of Zion. And rejoice. Now this is really important. This is an instruction to the the Jewish people. Get happy right now. Sing and rejoice. Say that with me. Sing and rejoice. Now you can sing songs that are depressed. Am I right? You You can find music that will enable you to have fellowship with sadness. There are songs of mourning. There are songs of despair. If, if you don't know where to look, it, I can point them, point you in their direction. But, you know, th- there are crying in your beer songs if you like country music. There's, uh, you know, She Left Me Again. If, if, if that's your preference, there's, you know, No One Understands Me, folk rock and roll. If you want to have fellowship and be sad with music, you can easily find it. But the children of Israel are given an instruction. Get happy with your music right now. Sing and rejoice. Sing. Say that with me. Sing and rejoice. And rejoice. Sing and rejoice. That means sing songs that that stir up joy in you. Start celebrating the Lord. 
Remember the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Right. Okay, sing and be glad. And here's the reason. Because I'm coming. That's what he says. Now some people would say, this must be the New Testament. No, this is the Jewish prophets. The Lord's saying, get happy because I'm coming. And I will dwell in your midst. Now there were times, there were times when the Lord manifest his presence in the middle of the children of Israel and it produced joy. Do you remember when the Lord led the children of Israel through the Red Sea, divided it, and they got to the other side? You know what they did? They got happy. They, they started dancing. They started singing, Micha It was a great time, was it not? There was a time when, I talked about it earlier, when Yeshua was brought to the temple, 30 days old, Pidyon Haben, and two old Jewish people saw him in the temple, and they got happy because they knew who he was. Before he had done anything, they recognized who he was, and they realized that God had come. And that here this little baby was Mashiach and would, would grow up and be the promised Messiah. Even though he was little at that point and they recognized who he was and they were rejoicing. I'm coming, says the Lord. And every time the Lord comes, you know what? We have the challenge of having the right attitude. Thank you, Lord, for coming. And every time he says he's coming, it's important to take him seriously. Behold, I'm coming and I'll dwell in your midst, says the Lord. Now here comes the tricky part. Verse 11. In the Hebrew. Verse 15. Many nations will be joined to the Lord in that day. Now, if you were here for the Torah service, you you heard this read and you would you would know that the word for nations here is very specific. Goyim. Okay, so let's say it simply. Many Goyim will be joined to the Lord. Now you understand why the Lord starts by saying, okay, be happy. (laughs) Because he knows that some Jewish people, when they hear this part, they'll go, oh, you got to be kidding not the goyim, they're always doing harm to us. They're always hurting us. There are Jewish people who live in enclaves in Jewish, modern Jewish ghettos because they don't want to be near the goyim. There are Jews who are afraid of Gentiles, terrified. There are Jews who, who don't even recognize that, that Gentiles have a purpose for Israel. So the Lord says, okay, get happy. Are you smiling? Be really happy. I'm coming. Yeah. And I'm bringing Gentiles. <laughs> Lord, what, what's plan B? <laughs> Many. 
many nations, many goyim. Say that word, goyim. It's not a bad word. It means other ethnic groups, people who are not Jewish. Many who are not, going, who are not Israel will be joined to the Lord in that day, and they shall become my people. They shall be to me am, which is a dear and precious word almost always applied to the Jewish people. They're goyim, but they're going to become am. And I will dwell in your midst. Get happy again. And then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And the Lord will take possession of Judah as his inheritance in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. This is still controversial because it depends on two different parts. One part is this. God still has a plan for the Jewish people. And there are some there are some Gentiles, there's, there, are, there are some Gentile believers who think God is finished with the Jews. And now he's only going to use people who are like them. But that's not what the prophets of Israel say. That's not what the Messiah of Israel says. So one part is God still has a plan for the Jewish people. And the Jewish people as a nation are at the center of God's plan to bless all the nations of the world. I want you to get that. That's a prophetic word from the scriptures that is at the heart of who we are and what we're all about. Now the second part that is controversial is Gentiles are called by God to be joined to Israel as well. And this is accomplished, as we know, through the work of Messiah. Even though it's forecast, if you will, from the time of Abraham through Moses all the way up to this moment. And there are moments when this person from the nations and that person from the nations is joined together with Israel and it makes a difference. So here God is saying, I have a plan for the Jewish people, and it also includes other nations. Now here's the tricky part. Some people don't like both sides of the deal. And so there's some people who say, oh, you know what? It's not the Jews anymore. It's just believers. That's not a correct understanding. The Jewish people continue to exist uh, in the heart of God and continue to have a calling in the heart of God. And it's very specific. And this is a nation that God has raised up in order to bless all the nations of the world. So that is very, very important. So if you're a Jew who doesn't like Gentiles, I would say you need a heart transplant. <laughs> At least a heart circumcision. A new heart. And then there are Jews who are so afraid of their Jewishness that they go into hiding. And they want to disappear and assimilate into Gentile Christian churches. And I would say to you, you think you can hide? Good luck with that. Some of you are the descendants of Jews who went into hiding. And you know. 
you know, oh, they hid for one generation, or they hid for two generations, or they hid for five generations, but they couldn't hide forever. And some of you know, because you tried to hide in churches, you know that you couldn't even hide there, because God had a calling on your life as a Jew. And just like Moses, you had to come to grips with your calling and your national identity so that you could be used by God in the full measure that he has for you. So there are Jews that have to to work all this out, and then there are Gentiles that have to work this out too, because it's still controversial for Gentiles. There are Gentiles who say, you know what? We can go it alone. We've got our own traditions. We've got our church fathers. We've got our bishops, we've got our apostles, we've got our prophets, we've got our uh, denominations. We are of Luther, not Lex Luther. (laughs) We are of Wesley. But I can tell you this, you won't be able to make it alone. Because it was never God's plan for you to be off on your own, isolated. And so I could say this, if if you have a view of the body of Messiah that, that really is like religious apartheid, then the body of Messiah isn't quite right for you. And I would recommend you put that attitude away and get a change of heart. If you're a segregationist, and you say, you know what, I just want to be with people that look like me, you're in the wrong place. I don't mean in this congregation, I mean in the whole body. Because yes, you can find other apartheid and segregationist and uh, people who have an isolationist or a superiority complex or a rejection complex, or, or any other complex in the body of Messiah. And, and you, can, you can find people who will agree with you and develop traditions and, and theology that's in agreement with you. It's just in disagreement with the plans of God that have been clearly revealed. And you will be thrown into confusion and into trouble that you'll never understand if you embrace that kind of stuff. Let the clear prophetic word of God illuminate in times of darkness so that you have light. I'm saying this to you knowing most of you already get this, but I need to put it into your heart and into your mind because you need to help carry an understanding. The understanding is not let's promote Messianic Judaism. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about the body of Messiah. I'm not talking about, you know, let's promote Shabbat. The the key to everything is Shabbat. Now, Shabbat is great, but it's not the greatest commandment. Do you get that? Say, well, I, I want to promote kosher. Listen, everything that is below number one and number two is below number one and number two in terms of priority. And Yeshua said, you need to understand what's number one and what's number two in order to even correctly interpret the scriptures. If you get those wrong, you get everything wrong. It's like this. If you think the world is flat, 
all of your astronomy is gonna be wrong. Does that make sense? If you don't think there is gravity, all of your physics is going to be wrong. It's that simple. You don't have to understand every detail of it, but if, if, if you're shocked when things fall, because in your worldview they shouldn't, then you're wrong. Fix it. Get it right. In the same way, if you think Jews can do this all by ourselves, you're wrong. Then your opinion is different from Moses, is different from Zechariah, is different from the Lord's. Now, if you think Gentiles can do this all by themselves, you're wrong. This is why it's so controversial. We actually need each other. Gentiles need Jews being Jewish. Jews need Gentiles being with us together in the body. And that is one of the most controversial ideas. Do you get it? Do you get it? It's controversial. That means most people don't think it and most people don't agree with it. So that's why you will always be a minority until you have more impact, until the whole earth is filled with his glory. And that will require that you get comfortable being a minority and not have lust after being a majority. I grew up in a town in Virginia with a thousand Jews, maybe a thousand Jewish families. I don't think it was families. I think it was just a thousand Jews. We were uh, a, a small minority, a very small minority. But I grew up as a minority, and I am comfortable still being a minority. If, if you grew up uh, in a majority position and things have shifted for you, then I would say, welcome to our world. And you have to get comfortable being a minority in this world. You have to. There's not an option. But once you're comfortable, you know what? God can use you. He can use you to have a disproportionate positive impact. Here's what's key. Keep letting the light of God shine forward in your life. Don't get stuck in the darkness. Let his word, this clear word, help you understand history. Help you understand the future so that you can embrace the core things, the most profound things, and you can easily look around and say, why are there so many colors here of skin? And have an answer. Because God has promised to bless the whole world, right? Because God is looking for people from every nation who will join themselves to the Jewish people. You get that? But why are there Jews here? Because God wants Jews to be a part of this. He wants us to be the, the nucleus around which the nations can coalesce. And so we have to have the fullness of God in order to do that. Light forward, light forward, shine 
your light forward. I was thinking about what to call this message, and one was, turn on the lights. And with, I'll close with a, with a story from Ukraine. We were, we were in the former Soviet Union after the fall of communism and the transition from the Soviet Union to independent states. And uh, it, it was rough times economically for the people and socially there were many, many changes. And often we had to meet in, in buildings that had no heat and in buildings where the electricity wasn't even available uh, for light and, and so forth. And I remember we were in one hall, and it was particularly dark. And we were so accustomed to these conditions that we just accepted them. And someone went over to the switch on the wall and flipped it, and all the lights came on. (laughs) It wasn't a miracle. It was just we had gotten used to that condition of darkness that we didn't even think you could turn on the lights. Well, we're living in dark times, and some of us are in that same condition where you don't even realize, just go to the light switch and turn on the lights and get light from God. No matter what your political affiliation, you may prefer CNN, you may prefer Fox News or some other channel. They are not the light of God. I just want to tell you that. (laughs) Just in case you got confused one day, it's like, well, I, I saw on TV. The word of God will give you light and God himself is your light. And if you stay rooted in him, if you stay strong in the congregation, if you stay in ministry and faithfulness and faith and obedience and love, you know what? Your light will increase. You'll receive more light from the light of the world, Yeshua. And you will be brighter everywhere you go. And you will be able to have an impact bringing good news to every kind of person, Jew and Gentile alike. So we're called to be a messianic synagogue, a Jewish family that has the vision to welcome every kind of person who wants to be part of what God is doing with the Jewish people. It's a great calling. And you will be misunderstood. Get used to it. So that with joy in humor and gladness and simplicity you can explain to people. And you can give an answer why you have hope. So with that in mind, let's close with a prayer. Lord, thank you for your prophetic word about the call of the Jewish people. And thank you for your prophetic word about the call of the Goyim to be joined together through faith in the God of Israel, through Messiah. Thank you, Lord that you have called us together and we need each other and together with love we can serve you and we can serve the whole world. We pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. Would you please rise? (laughs) 
Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai p'navelecha v'yosem lecha. Shalom. May the Lord bless you. And may he keep watch over you and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Shalom.